Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon to all of you lovely people listening to this episode of the podcast. I am your creator, your host, director, editor, executive producer, your regular producer, your first, your last, and of course, I am your everything, and I go by the name of Dominique, and welcome to the Dom Trap. It's good to be back. You're looking good. You're looking great. Hope your family's doing well. Uh, Hope your mental is great. I hope that you're staying safe outside and, you know, with everything being back opened up. So I hope that everything is going well for you. Many blessings to you. But um, first, I think I want to get some shout outs out of the way. Shout out to the guys over at uh, RJCXD, Ray, Chris, all of you guys. I had a super fun time doing the uh, doing the Marvel movie tier list with you guys. So I'm looking forward to uh, doing more of those. That was a lot of fun. And Ray, keep on streaming, man. Keep on streaming, man. There's some, some great content there. Um, also, a big shout outs to my boy, Hiley. Shout outs to Hiley, bro. Um, this man, he, he's been helping me out with as much as he's been able to. Thank you for the, uh, thank you for everything, man. Thank you for being here. Thank you for, you know, just being in the air sometimes, you know, everything. Appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. And um, shout out to my boy, Dylan. Can't forget about Dylan. Dylan's, that's that's my dog. Shout out to Dylan, bro. Hope you're listening. And uh, yeah, I believe that's it for shout Oh yeah, shout out to Pruitt again. Shout out to Pruitt. Shout out to Pruitt. Pruitt uh, sent me a care package. I recently started streaming on Twitch. So that's been a lot of fun. And Pruitt sent me a care package of a few goodies. So shout out to Pruitt for that. And um, yeah. So before we actually get into things such as the reviews, I have a message for Sir Ridley Scott. Now, Ridley Scott is the director, of course, for, well, he's directed Alien. He's directed Blade Runner. He's directed Gladiator and Hannibal. Some of my favorite movies growing up. Some of my favorite movies growing up. Um, He's also directed The Last Duel, which I talked about on the last podcast. And he directed the movie that has recently come out called House of Gucci. And that's the movie with, of course, Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. The Last Duel also had Adam Driver. So I don't know if he's the common denominator in all of this or what. But I don't know if you guys have been, you know, keeping up with what he's been saying and everything. But really, Scott recently came out saying that the reason that his last movie, The Last Duel, flopped was because of millennials and their cell phones. Now, I, I have something to say about that. Um... Me being, one, a millennial, two, a person that saw, well, that has a cell phone, (laughs) and three, a person that actually got out and saw the movie. Now, you you can't blame the reason for your movie. You can't blame the people for, I mean, you can blame the people, but not fully. The people aren't the reason why your movie failed. The reason why your movie failed is because it was mismarketed and barely even marketed. The marketing was, I would say, abysmal. I don't even use that word every day, but I would say the marketing for this movie was abysmal. A lot of people didn't even know what your movie was, which is weird. I mean, you know, we did go through a pandemic. Maybe if this movie would have come out in 2019, it may have done better. But who's to say? Because it came out in 2021 and flopped. But um, you, you can't blame the people for something that they didn't know you were putting out. It's like you, it's like you creating this content and, th- and thinking that you know, word of mouth is going to get to everyone. This that's not how things are going to work for you. You have to show us what this movie is, what this movie is going to do, in order for us to say, oh, well, that looks great. I'm going to go watch it. I went to go and see the movie because, honestly, I don't think there was anything else out that week. <laughs> I think that might be the the only reason I saw the movie. Granted, I think I did see the trailer a few times, but other than that, I didn't really know what the movie was about. So I actually went out to go watch the movie and figure out what the movie was about myself. But you you can't say that the reason why people didn't see the movie is because of the year they were born and the fact that they have technology that you may not have had when you were their age. That's stupid. That's a stupid argument. That's a stupid argument. You need to blame the studio. You need to blame the marketing team for this film. You need to blame several of the people before you, you know, jump down the necks of millennials and blame it on cell phones. That's such a stupid reasoning. 
And um Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 just, you know, you, you have to blame the company that you love to work for so much. Blame them. That is the reason why this movie did not get the seats filled. That's exactly why. And what's what's crazy is that you you also directed House of Gucci, which is another movie that we'll we'll talk about that today. I did see that last week. Um I wanted to go and see it on Saturday, this past Saturday, the uh, 28th? No, 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 no. I may have that wrong. Let me actually look at my calendar here. But yes, I, I went to go and see House of Gucci on the 27th of November. I think the movie was released on the 24th, the day before Thanksgiving. And um, I have a lot to say about this movie. I have a lot, but very little to say about this movie. The one thing I do want to say about this movie is that it is ghetto. I would be offended if the movie was about my family. Uh, it's like a, a lot of strange choices were made. I will say that the cast is great. The cinematography is there. The music, whenever it's not something that's like licensed or some super poppy eighties music, when it's not that it's, it's terrible. I, I don't even really remember anything spectacular about the, uh, about the score in, in that matter. But it's, it's, it's a movie that's based off of a book that's based off of real life about Mauricio Gucci and Patricia Reggiani. Yeah. And if you don't know the story, I mean, you can easily find it on Google. I don't want to spoil the movie for you because the movie takes a lot of the stuff from the story and from real life. But if you want to see it, go and see it. If you're looking for a great fun movie that is kind of like a mystery that is fun, then I can't really recommend this one. <laughs> I can't really recommend it. Uh, like I said, the the the, the casting, they, you know, it's a great cast. You have Adam Driver, you have Lady Gaga, you have Jared Leto, Al Pacino, Selma Hayek, and her fine self. You have uh, Jamie Irons in in roles, and it's just things are great on that front. But as the movie goes on, you just say, okay, yeah, this isn't really what I was looking for. Um, in the trailer, it, it sets everything up as if it's going to be this, uh, this kind of poppy fun, maybe a murder mystery, maybe a romance story. It's not really clear what it's going to be. It just shows you clips from the movie. And I guess it's asking you to look up the real story, find out things for yourself to figure out what kind of movie this is going to be. And it's, it's really not that it's really not that. And, um, I did see that Tom Ford who was basically in the movie, but not the real Tom Ford that we know in real life. He actually came out and said that he didn't know if this movie was an SNL sketch or what. He he had no idea what this movie was after seeing the movie, which is hilarious to me. Because you think that, you know, with, with people as high profile as, you know, the, the Gucci family and Tom Ford, that things would be done properly and would be given justice. But that wasn't really the case, unfortunately. But... <laughs> yeah uh one of the things i can say about this movie is that it feels like it doesn't have any heart it feels like there is no heart in this movie it feels like it's just something it doesn't know if it wants to be a period piece it doesn't know if it wants to be a mystery of some sort or just tell the story of something it has no idea what it wants to be and it's like things are just thrown together the sense of time in this movie is kind of shoddy there's one point where you find out that a character is pregnant and then a few scenes later, this child is like six or seven, but you really have no idea how old this child is. And then of course the time just keeps continuing, but they're not doing any special makeup effects or anything to make our characters look older or anything. Um, speaking of effects, um, <laughs> Jared Leto's character. Now, if you all know Jared Leto, you know, you know, the hunk kind of long brown hair, the, the green eye, the, you know, the eyes that people have, you know, how they look. <laughs> you know, he, he's he's an attractive guy. We'll say that. Jerry Leto is an attractive guy. In this movie, he's playing a character who doesn't really look like Jared Leto. So the choices that they make to make him wear all these rubber prosthetics on his face, and he has, like, this kind of ball cap on, and he has this, like, long hair that's kind of gray, and he's looking like a scumbag. He has, like, a little bit of a fat suit on. I get what they were going for. But I just wish they just would have chose a different actor, especially if you find actual pictures online of 
um, I think his name was Paolo Gucci. If you find actual pictures of Paolo Gucci, you see that he was almost like a regular looking old Italian man in a sense. But it's like they exaggerated his character so much that he seems like a character throughout this whole movie. Granted, I will say that he did steal several of the scenes. His character is just over the top at times. And what I mean by over the top is like the, the accents more than anything. The accents used in this movie seem like people that are trying to do Italian accents instead of people that were actually taught to do Italian accents. And what I mean by that is it feels like, no racial here, it feels like people are doing their best Super Mario impression. That's what it feels like. It seems like people are trying to their best to sound like Super Mario, um, Luigi, Waluigi, Wario. And it's just, it comes across as it being cartoony. And then at times it's like this movie wants to take itself seriously, but I just can't when you have Jared Leto with all these prosthetics on his face, um, you know, going like, oh, yeah, um, uh, Patricia, what do you think about my clothing line? I, I get what you're trying to do, but it's just not working for me. It just didn't work. Adam Driver did a, he did a good job. He did a good job. Lady Gaga did a good job. But the movie, they can't carry this whole movie. They can't carry it. Because there's only so much of a good job that they were actually able to do within the time that we're giving. And, you know, like I just said, with the, the whole accent fiasco, it's it's a little bit disrespectful in a, in a sense. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think that one of the best people that were in this movie was uh, Jeremy Irons. And uh, I don't know if you know who Jamie Irons is, but Jamie Irons, he's a uh, he's a goat, if you will. And usually when it comes to him doing some kind of accent, he he does a fantastic job. For example, when he was in Watchmen, he had an accent. Fantastic job. When he's in this movie, it's like they said, OK, we need you to play this character with this accent. Go. And he went out and he did it. And he asked He absolutely smoked it. Absolutely smoked it. The only thing is, there isn't enough of him in the movie. <laughs> like, sometimes he's there and blink and you miss it moments. But his character, like, you see, you can see that there's so much story that they could have done with his character, but they wanted to make it about Mauricio Gucci and his whole situation and, you know, how the last end of his life went. So you can't really talk about his father at the same time in that, besides their relationship then compared to how it used to be when he was younger. But, yeah, he, Jamie Irons absolutely smoked this role. I wish there was more of him. I would be down if they did a spinoff sequel about uh, Mauricio Gucci's dad that Jamie Irons played. I would not be mad at that movie at all. I really wouldn't. But usually movies, they do a really good job, when, especially when they're period pieces, because you, you have the blueprint. You have the blueprint of things that happened and all you have to do is make things a little bit more exaggerated, make them a little bit more dramatic, make moments a little bit uh, funnier, you, whichever way you want to go. But this movie just, it makes these, like I said before, it makes these weird choices where it doesn't really do that. There is a scene where Mauricio Gucci and Patricia Regani, uh, Adam Driver and Lady Gaga's characters are doing it at her job. And it's like two minutes long, maybe a little bit longer. And it's just so awkward. It's so awkward. And it's like, okay, why don't we, you know, you give us the implication that they're doing it instead of actually showing us them, you know, doing it. And it's not like how in some movies where it's like, you know, super slow. This one is like, <clears throat> like quick and fast. And then it's out of here, but it lasts for two minutes. It's two whole minutes of, you know, a quickie. And I'm like, all right, can we please get to the next thing? But no, they just leave the movie on this thing for so long. And I looked around the theater and I'm looking at people and they're like turning their heads they're looking at their phones they're moving around. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't fun. This isn't what makes a movie good. I'm not going to this movie. I didn't think I was going to go into this movie to see a quickie in two minutes played out in almost its full entirety. I didn't think I'd see that. I was kind of surprised. 
But like I said, I looked around the theater. People were just shuffling around. I heard a phone drop. Like people were just over it at that point. But yeah, bad Italian accents. Jared Leto in a fat suit and has rubber prosthetics all over his face. Al Pacino's in this movie and he's Al Pacinoing. And I must say to Al Pacino, brother, get that check. Get that check. Put your name in these movies. Get that check and dip. That's that's the best thing that Al Pacino can do and the best thing that he has been doing. He's uh for for the past several years, he's just been coming into these movies, being recognized by face, reading his lines, and then getting out of these movies. With a check, of course. Same deal with the Irishman. I remember seeing him in Jack and Jill, you know, the whole Dunkachino thing. Uh <laughs> yeah, so so um Get, get that check out, Pacino. We, we appreciate you. Selma Hayek's in here. She does a uh, great job. She's almost like a uh, Miss Cleo type of uh, uh, TV telephone psychic that Patricia Reggiani, Lady Gaga's character, runs into and, and everything. And they actually become friends, I believe. And they actually set up the murder of Mauricio Gucci in real life. And, yeah, they were both sent to jail because of it, which is important but yeah they were both sent to jail because of the uh because of the murder well for the murder they basically hired people to go and kill the man but um yeah like i said it's just <sighs> you have all these good actors you have these great actresses and it's just it's like how does this how does a movie like this just miss like the way it did i mean if you compare this to if, if i'm pretty sure a lot of you have seen the marketing for house of gucci if you compare the marketing for this movie when you're going on YouTube and you hear, what you, gonna, you know the song by Blondie. You hear that. How many times did you hear that song and it's been stuck in your head because you've gotten this trailer and this ad so many times, but no one ever saw the, the trailer and ads for The Last Duel? And they had the same director. And if I'm not mistaken, they're put out by the same company. It's just weird. So again, really, Scott, if you're watching this, um, it's it's not the it's not the fault of the millennials. It's the fault of the companies that you work for. It's the fault of the marketing team. Maybe you don't have it like you think you do. Maybe that's a big part of it. Maybe you think that you're putting out better content than you actually are. Um, who I don't know who is to say that. I'm just, you know. The host of the Dom Trap. So, uh, with that being said, I'm going to give this movie a 4 out of 10. I was going to go lower, but I didn't want to be too harsh on it. Especially just because of what it is. But like I said, if you want to see the movie or you've thought about seeing it, just go and see it. Maybe you'll see something in it that I didn't see. But, yeah. Wasn't the biggest fan of House of Gucci. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, we have a movie that I think might have been marketed too well by a big company that company being disney and if you've been here if you're if you're not new to the dom trap you know how i feel about disney as a company and how they are soulless people that will do these terrible things and then put out some movie or some tv show and get everyone back in their graces and that's exactly what we're seeing happening we're seeing it live right now we're seeing it live right now um you know, with the pandemic, we had the whole, we we had the whole, you know, Disney World and Disneyland situation happen, where they just laid off a bunch of people, and you know, since movies are coming back out, <clears throat> sorry, but especially with with Soul last year, um, people are actually loving it, and then this year we've gotten Luca, and we've gotten Encanto, and Ryan the Last Dragon, which were also movies that were greatly appreciated by the critics and Encanto is the one I'm talking about today now Encanto is a movie about a Colombian family who majority of the family members have some kind of magic power for example there's a sister of our main character our main protagonist who is perfect she has this long beautiful hair she can make flowers come out of anywhere um, our main character also has a sister that's very strong her mother can heal people with food. She can cook a meal, and once they eat the food, they're healed. Um, 
She has an aunt who can change the weather. She has a little cousin that can speak to animals, a little cousin, well, another cousin that can um, shapeshift. She has a cousin that can hear almost anything. So, yeah, the, the family is gifted on that end. It's, it's, it's their magic. It's, it's just magic. <laughs> and um, the grandmother is the reason why all of this is happening, her and the grandfather. The grandfather actually gave his life to protect his family, and that magic came basically right after he died which saved the mother, gave her shelter, created this beautiful home that is also a character. And, um, yeah, so it's about this, this family that has powers, these magic powers, but our main protagonist does not have any powers. So it's about her trying to figure out, one, why does she not have powers? And two, what can she do to save the house? Because she's been having these visions that the house is going to be destroyed or it's getting old and cracking and, there are these uh, just mishaps happening with the house. And that actually ends up being true. The house does end up basically breaking down and things just go all the way wrong. They, the family, while the house is breaking, they're starting to lose their powers. The, the stronger sister, she's feeling weaker. And the sister that's perfect is planting, well, she's putting out cacti instead of flowers. So things are going wrong. But with this movie, it's... Uh, it's very, it's very beautiful. Is you have these beautiful colors, um, these beautiful landscapes of this Colombian town, and you see this mountain in the back, and there's this big blue sky, and the sun is shining on everything, and it's just super colorful. And Disney did it again, basically, is what I'm trying to say here. They did it again. And then on top of this, you have Lin Manuel Miranda. And he's doing the music for this movie. So the music has this kind of hip-hop, boppy vibe to it. And that's not a bad thing when you have a movie like this, especially after me seeing In the Heights on, um, I believe it may still be on HBO Max, but yeah, In the, In the Heights that came out. You have, you know, the, these characters who are from a different country and they're mixing. you're mixing their type of music with hip-hop. And it's, it's never it's never really bad. It's never really done in a way where I'm like, you know, maybe that could have done better. Or maybe you should add some hi-hats there or some, you know, some more bass there. It's, it's nothing like that. The music is great. And I think that's to this movie's benefit more than anything. But yeah, the, the hip-hop feel of this music, I wasn't mad at it. I know some people were complaining about it. I wasn't mad at it at all. The voice cast does a great job for their characters. You know, you have a 15-year-old protagonist. I believe she's 15. But you can actually believe that this is a 15-year-old, you know, growing, trying to figure out who she is, but at the same time, still a child. Um, but what I thought was funny is that this movie may hit close to the home with a lot more people than a lot of Disney's other movies, mainly because of this movie being so built upon family. And when you think about movies or Disney movies that are built on family, you think about Frozen, you think about Coco. And this movie is basically a combination of the two in all seriousness, which isn't a bad thing, but it's almost like you've seen it. But then again, it's, it's, it's a totally new movie. But yeah, the voice cast does great overall. The music is great. The colors, you know, the animation is great. You can see some of the stitching and their shirts and their dresses and everything uh, and, and over and you know and overall clothing but what i think is kind of funny is if you look at this movie in a more realistic tone where you take away the magic powers you replace the magic with talent and then you have families that are actually real and that are actually flawed um think about a family where you know think about like the the jackson family not to bring michael jackson up or anything into this but um Think about, you know, them having a cousin who can't sing, can't dance, um, can't, you know, bring attention to themselves. But then you have their cousins who are the Jackson Five who can sing, dance and do all this great stuff and are super popular and getting signed and becoming these big musical artists. Just it's, it's just the same thing. Almost. It's literally almost the same thing. And um yeah, but overall, I know I compared it to Coco and Frozen. I think this movie does do a great job of being its own movie, being something new to the Disney 
animated universe. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just goes to show really that the Disney uh, magic is still alive. The Disney magic is still here, still breathing. This movie is just another breath of fresh air for Disney to give to us. For us to eat up in the movie to do well. <laughs> but I think it just came out, so maybe next episode we'll talk about how it's actually doing in theaters. But it's uh, unlike House of Gucci, I will say. Unlike House of Gucci, this film actually has heart. It actually has heart. It actually has a soul. You can tell people actually care about this movie. Uh, it doesn't have bad accents. <laughs> Jared Leto is not in this one with a bad accent. There are no bad accents at all in this movie. Everyone does a fantastic job. It's funny. There are scenes that might make some of you cry. The music is great. There's a song in particular by the Abuela of La Familia. And if you don't know what that is, that's the grandmother of the, of the family. Uh Yes, so she uh, she has this one song where she's basically singing after her husband loses his life and the magic is transferred into this candle that brings the magic everywhere else around it. And you can tell, like, it's it's important. It's an important song. It's going to mean someone in some way. It may not mean anything to you right now, but in the future, it possibly can. So with that being said, I really enjoyed Encanto. Disney still has it. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but shout out to Disney. The, you know, it's 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 whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> but I'm going to give Encanto a nine out of ten. I really enjoy this movie. If you like Disney movies, go and see it. If you like animated movies, go and see it. If you like, well, one thing I can say that I really enjoyed about this movie is that I went into this knowing that it was going to have music. And there were going to be musical numbers, and it could possibly be a musical, but they didn't. They, the songs didn't overstay their welcomes like the, uh, some of these movies do, or some of the songs in these movies do. There weren't like seven-minute songs in this movie, which is fantastic, fantastic. Absolutely enjoyed it, and um, yeah. Thinking, speaking of things that uh, bring enjoyment to my life, Cowboy Bebop the anime is one of them. Now. Growing up, watching Adult Swim as a child, I didn't really get a chance to get into Cowboy Bebop because I was too busy wondering when Robot Chicken was coming on or Aqua Teen Hunger Force or home movies. I was that kind of Adult Swim watcher. So when it came to a lot of the anime stuff like Cowboy Bebop and like The Big O, I wasn't really staying for that. I did watch them later on, though. But... Earlier this year, earlier, you know, I think I might I want to say it was January the 23rd, actually, is when I started watching Cowboy Bebop from front to end. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was a great ride. The animation was great. The dialogue was great. I was so tempted to put it. I think it, it is definitely in my top five anime of all time list. It's definitely top five. But it, I'm just upset that it took me so long to actually watch the uh, to watch the anime, and yes, I watched the English dub, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's it's in my top five. I, I love the anime. I've watched it several times since. So when Netflix announced that they were going to be putting out a live action adaptation of this anime, I was skeptical but also excited. I wanted to see how they were going to adapt the Cowboy Bebop universe in real life, basically. I was wanting to see how they were going to do this. And once I heard that um, that John Cho was going to be playing Spike Spiegel, I was excited. I was extremely excited because I love John Cho. I love Harold Kumar. I loved him in Searching. He's a great actor. I was like, there's nothing that he can do wrong in my eyes to make this thing a bad movie or a bad television show but as things just kept coming out with it they put out something called the lost episodes i believe and it was just like you have our characters and they're fighting these people and it's kind of shot differently you know the camera's kind of sideways a little bit and it's, it's moving around at different angles and things and 
there's this pole that he uses and then he also puts it down it's almost looking like a, a comic panel i thought that was cool but i was like maybe this isn't what the whole show is going to be like unfortunately it is and worse in some cases um the anime has these these beautifully animated fight scenes because you have a color palette that isn't bland and spike being basically a master of the martial arts he knows how to fight and he's fighting people that know how to fight and he's also an excellent marksman and it just works everything just works with the anime but with this show it's shot in a way that things just seem slowed down it seems like things are lazily done the the fighting feels lethargic um for example, one guy's throwing a hand or he's throwing his fist and then Spike just goes like this and then his hand goes like this. And it's, it's very slow. It's very slow fighting. And I really wanted to enjoy this. I really did. When I seen people talking crap about it online after its announcement, I said, there's no way they can mess up Cowboy Bebop. I don't want to say they messed it up, but they got really, they got really close. They got really close. <laughs> With the slow fighting, people complaining about Faye Valentine, which is one of the characters from the anime. Um, and in the show's marketing, they didn't talk about the character Ed at all, which Ed is another character in the show who's a main character. They didn't talk about this character at all. This character actually pops up at the end of the show. And um, I kid you not, I, I was hurting. I was hurting. I couldn't believe my eyes. I knew that Ed would be difficult to put in a real world, but the the, the way they went, it, it almost feels like the, do you, I know you guys, If to my 90s babies watching, do you remember the old honeycomb commercials with the, honey, the honeycomb dude, the little crazy animal with the wild hair everywhere with the big bug eyes and he's like jumping around. He's just a crazy thing. That's basically what this character is. That's basically what this character is. This character seems like something off one of the old 90s Gushers commercials. One of those weird, like, Slim Jim commercials. It's just so exaggerated. And in a show where it's like, this show, it wants to take itself seriously at times, but it just cannot because of these characters. You have this slow action. It's just, it just doesn't work. And just a minute ago, I just said about how, I just talked about how amazing the animation was for the anime and you have these beautiful blues and these bright whites. And in the show, they exchange that for, of course, CG spaceships because we don't have spaceships like they had in Cowboy Bebop. So that's all CG. And then you have this bright, this doodle brown filter like they always do. You know, in, in movies and TV shows where they're like um, India 2002 and it's just like yellow and brown and everything's just doodoo looking. That's exactly what they did with this show. And I was hoping that they wouldn't go this route. I was hoping for the the speed racer route, the, the too colorful and ultra realistic looking things with these ultraviolet colors. But no, they, they went with this bland, doodoo brown, piss yellow filter. And I did not like it at all. And not to mention, this is 10 episodes. It's 10 episodes of this. The anime is, I want to say, 26, I believe. Don't jump down my neck if I'm wrong, but I want to say it's 26 episodes and the episodes are 20 some odd minutes long each. But with this show, each episode is about 45 to an hour. So that's already almost more than double or usually more than double the length of the episodes of the anime. And you have things just happening so much slower. For example, there's a line of dialogue or a few lines of dialogue in the show in the in the anime that take place over the span of seven seconds but in the uh in the netflix adaptation it takes them around 45 seconds to get to that same point and it just moves so slow and the dialogue is not great i love john cho uh, mustafa shakir i believe is his name did a, he did a great job as jet black but it's like everyone else had no idea what to do with their characters and no one else cared which is unfortunate because these characters are actually characters they're not you know, just something that was just thrown together. There's backstory to a lot of these characters and they added unnecessary backstory to some of these characters. Jet Black has an ex-wife who was a white woman and he has a, a mixed child, but there's also a stepfather that's involved. And it's like, why 
make this a thing? Why make this a thing? It's it's so confusing to me because Jet Black didn't have any of that in the other show. He didn't have any of it. And with the with the well in the anime, I mean, but in the anime, we really don't know who these characters are because they don't really talk about their issues. They get to point A to point B because they want to make money. That's that's the whole thing. They're basically bounty hunters. But in this in the Netflix adaptation, it's like they just take these people and say, how can we make everything more dramatic than what it was then? How can we do that? And the, the way that they go about it, I almost want to say it's stupid. I almost want to say it's stupid. Because <laughs> there's a character in the Netflix, well, in the anime and the Netflix adaptation. He goes by the name of Vicious. And the best thing about Vicious is that in the show, he was this ambiguous character that we didn't know much about that has history with Spike. And we have to figure out slowly why they have issues, why Vicious is who he is, and things of the sort. But in the show, we get so much Vicious, it's almost sick. It's almost sickening. And then not to mention, they give Spike Spiegel a, a name that he never had in the anime. And they make these stupid decisions, like making one character who's basically a damsel in distress in the anime, making her be that, but then changing her character entirely where it just doesn't make any sense at all. And if they continue this, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to go. I don't think it's been renewed for a second season, but I am extremely interested to see how they're going to handle the rest of this story material. Are you going to make completely new content? Or are you still going to go from things from the anime? I, I have no idea how they're going to handle this. I have zero idea. But I'm interested. I'll check it out, maybe. But I will tell you guys, there was a joke in this show that offended me. And I was surprised at how much it offended me. Um, Jet Black, our, our black character in the show, is talking to this woman. And she's basically being seductive to him. She's trying to seduce him. And he says, so what is this, blackmail? And she says something along the lines of, Oh, yes, Jet Black, you are black and you are also a male. And as a black male, I'm looking at this show like, how dare you? How dare you? And this is something that was never in the anime. It was never in the anime. This is Netflix and them saying, okay, we have creative freedom to do this. And they decided to make that a thing. Why is it a thing? That an elderly white woman is calling a black man a black male when he asks if he's being blackmailed. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's Cowboy Bebop. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just... I, I, I was offended. I wish that it wasn't that bad. I didn't want it to be bad at all, but the fact that it was bad and people were expecting it to be bad just kind of shows that they were right. This this first season of Cowboy Bebop, if I have to put a rating on it, is a two out of ten. It's a two out of ten. If if you don't like Cowboy Bebop, which I'm surprised you don't, but uh, if you don't like Netflix adaptations of anime and other things, then definitely steer clear from this one. This is not going to change your mind. I was hoping that it would. I was hoping that maybe things would be better this time. Especially with it being a, a great anime such as, well, being based off of a great anime such as Cowboy Bebop. That was not the case, unfortunately. So, with that being said, I, I wish that, I'm glad I saw it. I will say that I'm glad that I actually sat down for about two and a half days, over the span of two and a half days. I mean, there was a point where I think I watched the first two episodes, and I honestly didn't want to go back. I, I wasn't going to finish it. I wasn't going to finish the rest of Cowboy Bebop, which sounds crazy to me. But with this show being the way that it was, I really didn't think that I was going to finish it. But I stuck with it, and I did. Uh, two out of ten. Easy as two out of ten, I could, I could absolutely give anything. And then not to mention that this show is over-sexualized. There are... I'm not, going, I'm not even going to say that there are themes in the anime, but, you know, animes being anime, that's what they do. But in this show, there's literally a fight that happens or that begins in front of a sign, like a neon sign that just says porn on it. And it's just like, why is that a thing? 
it's so confusing. It's like the people that were behind this whole thing had no idea what they were doing, had no idea with, uh, which way they wanted to go with the show. They had no idea. And it's like halfway, or maybe when they were in the middle of making episode two, they said, okay, we have all this money. We have to make it worth it because Netflix paid us. We have to have something by this deadline. Let's get to work. And it was this. This is just sloppy. It's sloppy. It's bad. I didn't enjoy it. I'm just so upset at how they did Ed as a character. And the fact that we have more Ed coming up in season two. Hopefully, hopefully they listen to us, the fans, the people that actually watch the Netflix adaptation and say, hey, yeah, let's change this for the better for next time. That would be best if they just changed it. But, um, yeah, <sighs> that, that, that one hurt. That one hurt. I, I was not expecting to come here and say that this adaptation was this bad. I really didn't expect to. But I had to. And it's best you hear it from the host, the editor, the creator, the director of the Dom Trap than anywhere else. So I appreciate you sticking with me for my, my rant or my, my several rants. And I have another one coming up. I'm sorry. This is the rant episode. Uh, I apologize, but I have a lot on my mind. I have a lot that I need to say to some of these people and about some of these pieces of content that we've gotten. Um, let's talk about Spider-Man real quick. Now, <laughs> um, me being the 90s baby that I am, I did grow up seeing the, well, watching the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, the Spider-Mans in them movies, um, watching the animated show, playing the video games. I loved all of that. They were great. The amazing Spider-Man movies that came out, I wasn't really the biggest fan of. I wanted to like them, but what I also what I always found funny was that Tobey Maguire was a better Peter Parker than Andrew Garfield was, but Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was a better Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire's was. And some of you may hate that I absolutely just said that, but that's just the truth. I'm about to say something even more controversial in a second. So when we get to these Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, I'm like, okay, they actually did a great job of mixing the two, making Tom Holland a great Peter Parker, but at the same time, making him a great Spider-Man. And out of all these, you know, different renditions of Spider-Man and movies, this is the best that we've gotten so far. When it comes to the two characters, the two separate Peter Parker and Spider-Man entities, this is the best that we've gotten. I know a lot of you are going to hate that, but it feels like they spent the most time trying to nail both of these down. Him being a naive teenager that uh, is just in school trying to make it through life. He has a mentor in Tony Stark and his Aunt May is fine. <laughs> that stuff is great. But overall, if we're being honest here, the best Spider-Man movie that was ever made or that has ever been created to this day is... Into the Spider-Verse. If we're being honest. That movie with its super fantastical comic book inspired animation. The voice cast. The story. Spider-Verse is everything that we've thought that the original Spider-Man movies were. I hate that I had to say it like that. But I don't want to compare, you know, goats to goats. But... Yeah, Spider-Verse is the greatest Spider-Man movie that we've ever gotten. When it comes to it, to it having, you know, these different Spider-Men meet and come together in the story about the death of another Spider-Man, it's, it's just great. That's a great film. The greatest Spider-Man film that we've gotten. So with No Way Home on the Horizon that will be hitting theaters on December 16th for some and 17th for the others, the movie this year that crashed movie sites... I'm a little worried and it's not a bad worry. This kind of worry that I'm afraid that we aren't going to get everything that we want. I don't think there's any way that we can get everything that we want because we want so much. My expectations, my expectations are still pretty high. I still want all of these things to happen. I have things made up in my mind that I want to have. I have theories about things from the trailers, even though I'm trying not to base things on the trailer, but even just the story in general. But it's just the fact that this movie will not please everyone. And this is shaping up to be, of course, the, the movie event of the holiday season. 
and this is Marvel's last movie for five months. So it's like one thing for it to be a bad movie. It's one thing for it to be a great movie. It's one thing for it to be a good movie. But it has to be a movie that's going to hold over until May of 2022, which I want to see it happen. I want to see Marvel, you know, just say, hey, you know what? We're, we're working on things. But enjoy Spider-Man for what it is. We'll also have Disney Plus shows for you to go and watch and re-catch up on and, you know, rewind if you have already seen them. But I feel like this movie has a lot weighing on its shoulders. And then also the fact that we've basically heard about this movie ever since um, Far From Home was released. The second Spider-Man movie in this uh, trilogy. I feel like we've heard about this movie for years. I feel like we've heard about rumors of casting. We've heard about story rumors, where it could go multiverse yada 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 we've heard so much about this movie and especially with the after credit scene from venom 2 it's it's like everything is being it's like you know my biggest thing about these movies it feels like every movie is setting up for something and like i said for the past two years it's like we've been hearing about this movie setting up something which is the multiverse or the multiverse for some of you and with the comics, that's the thing that is, is, is huge. The multiverse is huge. There are tons of different Earths. There are tons of different places in general. Characters are doing different things. There are different characters being different heroes. It's, it's just, it gets wacky. And we haven't really touched on that in this version of the MCU. So when things start going crazy and start messing up, I really want to know how they're going to Keep things maintained and keep expectations maintained. I'm really curious to see how things will go. But I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this movie because, like I said, it's going to be the movie event of the, of the holiday season. It crashed movie sites all across the board. I know AMC's app had like an hour waiting list for a lot of people. Even when I tried to get my ticket... I couldn't get a show in for Thursday. I had to get a workaround to actually get a ticket for Thursday night, which is crazy to think about because I remember when I got my ticket for Infinity War and, you know, Black Panther and Endgame, it was pretty simple. But for this movie, for some reason, just decided to crash everything. And I stayed up pretty late that night trying to get my ticket. But when I was able to get one for Friday, I said, you know what? That's fine. I'll go Friday. It's whatever. Until I found the workaround, I talked to a buddy of mine, Jason. Shout out to Jason, by the way. Jason, shout out to you. And Jason was like, um, here you go. You're, you got your, it's plenty of seats on Thursday. What are you talking about? So I went back, you know, on the app, did my workaround. I actually got a seat. Well, yeah, I actually got a, uh, got the 8 o'clock on the 16th showing at one of my favorite movie theaters. So pretty exciting stuff. I'm I'm going to try my best not to get spoiled before I go into that theater. I know that once these early reviews start coming out, a lot of us are going to have to start muting the word spider and man on Twitter and Instagram and just trying to block everything that we can until this movie gets put into our brains. And that's not to mention that a lot of people are still afraid to go to the movie theater or just avoiding movie theaters right now because they're afraid of catching anything or being sick anymore. I understand. I totally get it. I totally get it. But do understand that people are going to be trying to spoil this movie. They're going to actively be trying to tell people about this movie. So if you don't like spoilers, the best thing you can do is mute everything, block accounts, things of the sort. Unsubscribe from YouTube channels if need be. But I feel like once this movie, once people get this movie, they're going to be running to their computers, writing reviews discussing it talking about it in, in live streams and things of the sort regular youtube videos is going to be one of those so if, if you're not going to be seeing this movie at least opening weekend go ahead and get ready to block accounts and mute accounts and mute words block words whatever you have to do because even i'll probably be putting out <laughs> a uh, a separate review for this movie just depending on how it is and I probably will be seeing it multiple times just because I want to make sure that I digest this movie. Because like I said, we've heard about it for so long. Let's finally get it and see what it's about. So yeah, I think I'm done ranting now. <laughs> I think I'm done ranting. I think I've ranted enough. I think I've gotten what I've needed to say out now. Um, 
I did watch Arcane on Netflix, so be expecting that review soon. Um, and once again, I, I did start live streaming on Twitch. So if you want to follow me on there, I stream throughout the week, most evenings. Um, that's twitch.tv slash Domogary. That's D-O-M-O-G-R-Y. Last night, we played the uh, Marvel's Avengers game. There was a new raid that was added. And it is pretty difficult. Um, we got our butts kicked, but we'll probably be going back to it tonight. So I'll probably be streaming that tonight. Um, and yeah, I believe that's going to do it for this episode of The Dump Trap. I really just wanted to get in here, do a few reviews, and rant a little bit. Tell you all about how I felt about a few things. Um... <laughs> yeah uh on the side i have watched bmf i made i may do a review on bmf power just started back up uh book two anyway i may do a review on that i've been watching insecure and succession as well and i still stand by on succession if you're not watching succession please watch it now i'm asking you nicely just please watch succession now it's on hbo max it's on regular hbo that is a show that a lot of you should not be missing out on. So do watch Succession. Um, yeah, it's been me, the host of The Dumb Trap. <laughs> I hope that you all stay safe. I hope that you all are feeling better. I know seasonal depression is real, trust me. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll just take things one day at a time. We'll get things done in the proper way. We will make it, y'all. We will make it. So, please, please, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. I still wanted to hit 100 subscribers by the end of the year, but, you know, that'll, maybe that'll be next year. So, um, more content is coming to you guys in the form of, like I said, the podcast and also live streams. And maybe I'll switch it up and do some, uh, we'll do some other things. Maybe we'll get together and we'll do some, some better things. So, better futures ahead of us. Take care. Hope you're doing well. Stay safe. More than importantly, more importantly, stay safe. Um, yeah, this has been the Dom Trap. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all next time. Peace.